Bill Warney Podcast. I'm your host, Jamil Warney here, and um, I'm with one of my favorite teammates ever. I know I say this a lot in all my podcasts, but, I mean, this guy really helped me uh, learn the ropes in college basketball uh, for my first two years there. And uh, we've been friends since then, too, so it's almost going to be a, a decade. It's going to be that's, – that's crazy. Yeah, yeah uh, no, it is. I want to introduce Eric McAllister. Eric, how are you doing today? No, I'm I'm doing well. I'm grateful to be out here and uh, honored to be a guest here on the the famous Jamil Warning <laughs> podcast. Uh, tell tell uh, the viewers where uh, where you're at right now. Yes, yeah, so I'm here in Australia uh, on the Sunshine Coast, which is the east coast, about an hour north of Brisbane. So uh, yeah, it's a nice place to be, and yeah, you can't really beat it. Damn, that's crazy. And you've been living out there for how long now? Uh, consecutively. Three, uh, little more than three years now. Oh, okay. And the viewers should know you're from the great state of New Jersey when you yeah. when you were American Jersey. citizen. Yeah, and uh, good old Jersey. You know, um, I used to be Jersey's finest until you came along. So, <laughs> good old, good old exit nine, exit, exit nine or exit eight. Eight, 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 eight. eight. There you go. Come on. Central Jersey nine. Central. Anything north of eight. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, when I work out with uh, my trainer, Joe, we was working out uh, by Heistown the whole time. Uh, so I had to get off of X8 all the time to, to get there. It was like next to my row. So yeah. it's, it's crazy how fucking, well, that's like a 40-minute drive for me. I'm like, oh, my God, Jersey's a Jersey's low-key a big state. It is. Yeah, like you look at it and you're like, nah, it's not that big. But, you know, everybody always says people from Jersey have no problem driving long distances. But yeah, I don't sure. know. I, I feel like everything's like kind of spaced out for us. Yeah, tip to tip is like it's like I think like three hours because you go from if you go from by New York all the way to Atlantic City, <laughs> that's a that a trip. Yeah, so, yeah, no, nah, that's yeah, no, nah, it's a hike. It can be a hike from the north to the south for sure. It could be a hike. So I want to talk about um, you went? Did you go to Heightstown? Yeah, I went to Heightstown. You played how many years, varsity? Uh, I only started playing basketball. Like I guess competitively my senior year, oh so my. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so not, I was playing. Did not know. Did not know that about you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was playing. Um, I played football, and um, yeah, I guess that was what I was trying to to make work to head off to college, and then um, my senior year, like I, I had a massive growth spurt, so you know, everybody had been trying to kind of get me to play basketball, and I, I, I guess I, I resisted it for a while, and finally I. Went and I said, yeah, sure. And um, I ended up doing a prep year at Apex, so down oh, in South yeah, Jersey. Yeah. Um, and that's where good old Coach Young and Coach Michael found me and working out in an L.A. fitness. So. Oh, they found you in L.A. fitness? Well, like we were training out of there because oh. we got kicked out of the school. We were training out of, so. <laughs> yeah. Man, I got stories for days from prep school. Oh, my God. I, I, like I talked to my one guy, uh, A.J. Sunbury, and he went to a whole bunch of prep schools, too. He's from Heistown and just like. Yeah. You, you guys yeah. love you guys prep. You guys love prep school, man. Hey, Heights Town's not. It wasn't getting it done back in the day, so you, you kind of had yeah. to make your own effort. <laughs> yeah. So um, Jay was your lead recruit, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. obviously you had uh, Pikes is obviously the head coach, but just like you, just like me, you have Jay who was recruiting you. And um, what was your first impression of Jay? Nah, it's actually the craziest story in the world, man. So craziest <laughs> story. So like the weekend before. We had gone out to some, I don't know, one of those like top whatever recruiting things where they yeah. bring, you know, it's top 100, but there's 500 people there kind of thing. 
And um, so I'm like, I had a really good weekend and the school was like kind of really excited about me. And, um, you know, I kind of picked up some interest from some, some almost some bigger schools at the time and things like that. And because coming there, I had no real division one offers because yeah. I only had the one year. So, um, yeah, so like I said, we're out of this LA fitness and we had, you know, we had some guys that had big time offers and they weren't practicing. They were kind of walking on the stairmaster for an hour and calling oh, it a day and kind of stuff like that. So I was in I was inside, you know, inside the gym cuz you know how the LA fitness is set up. So yeah. We're, I'm inside the gym and I'm playing this guy one on one just before practice, you know, nothing big and I ended up beating him. So I'm walking out of the gym to get uh get a drink of water and, and coach young stops me he grabs my arm he says hey did you just beat that guy one-on-one <laughs> i was like i was like yeah and he goes well if you go beat him again i'll give you his scholarship because i offered him a scholarship but i'll give you his offer wait, oh, who, wait, who, who, who was it oh uh, <laughs> no nah, we'll, we'll leave names out <laughs> but Oh, you know me. I was like, I got to go to college for free, so I hadn't picked up an offer yet. I was like, Yeah, sure, no problem. So I went back. I beat him again. Told him I beat him. He was like, When's the next game? We were playing the next night. And then, yeah, just ever since then, I guess they they liked what they saw. Um, kind of worked out. It was I don't know about you, but for me, I kind of always had schools I'd play well for, like yeah. when they came and watched. And I had schools where like I couldn't score two points if I tried. So yeah, that's a high school shit, man. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that's kind of how I ended up at Stony Brook. And uh, you being from New Jersey, have you ever, like, visit Long Island even before then? Like, nah, nah, definitely not. I had been to the city, but that was yeah. about as far east as I got. It, it's, a, it's a different lifestyle from, like, like I, I tell people all the time, like, even when, like, you're, you're in Jersey for, like, a couple of weeks, once you go to Long Island, it's it's like the complete opposite. It's like it's like it's always sunny around there. It's like it's just so much there's so much energy over there. Like you go like yeah. like you go back to Jersey. Jersey like kind of laid back a little bit. So it's like what yeah. were you taking back from like like that from uh, your first time visiting and like even even going there for your first year? Yeah, no, I think that was that was a good point about the energy. There's there's a bit more like liveliness to it. Um for me, the first time I visited Long Island was on my official visit. Yeah. Um, I had good old Danny Carter as my host. Ooh. Um, so <laughs> him, Brian, you know, Frank. Um, yeah, those guys kind of, they, was, they showed was, me a good time. Was Tommy there too? Uh, Tommy was there. Tommy hurt his ankle um, like that week in workouts. Mm. And he was like on crutches and stuff. So uh, it was uh, really uh, I mean, wow, that would, that would have been a healthy Tommy just walking around that weekend. Oh, God. Yeah. No, nah, we had Dallas. We had Big Dez. Nah, oh, it was Dez. quite a crew, so, yeah. Nah, that's, um, that's, that's still a crew. Yeah, so, um, no, nah, it, was, it was a really good time and kind of one of those places where you, you kind of go and you could feel and, you know, I had visited a couple of schools at that point and yeah. you know, Stony Brook was just kind of like, this is, I think this is what's right for me. And, and I mean... You you saw it from, it was it was still expanding at the time. So you guys was like playing in Pritchard, but were you guys going to play in other gym? Yeah. Yeah. So um, on my recruiting visit, so Coach Pike came to my house and <laughs> Coach Young, and um, you know we were kind of like we were like sitting in. I had a coach come in earlier in the morning, um, and uh, Coach Tidell, and uh, 
you know, he was like the Southern guy. Like he was, he was a bit more reserved than like his yeah. reputation proceeds. But you know, Coach Pico comes in. Uh, he's aggressive. Sort of <laughs> yeah, so he's in. He's in the the one chair, and then I'm kind of like across from him. And Coach Young was with my mom on the couch, and they're flipping through like you know the school pamphlet or something. Mm-hmm. And, Coach Pikel's telling me about this big arena that's being built, and I'm, he's getting me all excited. You know, you know how Coach Pikel talks, and so um, I was kind of like, "Yeah, like this sounds sounds really good." And we got there, and like construction hadn't really started. It was like under it was it was being talked about, like it, it wasn't like full blown exaggeration or anything like that. But um, we actually played that first year. Uh, we made the NIT. I redshirted that year, yeah. so we made the NIT tournament. Played Illinois in i guess the arena it was called at the time as well and then the following year we played two or three games in the arena um you know I, did you ever play out there no i don't think so in uh the older arena yeah before no nah, because i i remember they were talking about it and you guys if, if it's like you guys tell me like you guys like playing on concrete like i, I heard yeah. like a lot a lot of people hurt those years like yeah, it was it was like mandatory ice baths after tra- after oh, practice stuff. No it, it was like, it was the real deal. Um, but yeah, so we played in there a couple times, and then that's when they started the construction. So after my freshman year, yeah. and they actually made a ton of progress, and they had like this big fire in there, and just kind of reset it. So I never got a chance to go to the to the big time arena, um, but yeah. been able to visit, which is pretty cool as well. Yeah, so. Yeah, freshman year, you registered, right? You registered. Yeah. Okay. So sophomore year, who's who's on your team? That sophomore year, I'm getting my year kind of mixed up. So that sophomore year was where we had Dallas, Al, Tommy. Oh, and BD, BD senior year. Yeah. BD, Dave Coley. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you guys, I, I think that year kind of shifts you got your guy culture because. Was that the first time you guys made it to the finals? Uh, made it to the finals, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because y'all, no, 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 sorry, no, no. Because y'all played Boston the year yeah, like before, but y'all, y'all played yeah. Vermont. Yeah, that was like our first home game that y'all had in the finals. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously we all know the story about how just like <laughs> it, was, it was always it was just always something that happened that kind of just grabbed. It was always something. Um, how how do you feel like that you guys just couldn't get past that? I guess. I mean, obviously, you know, the American East tournament is literally it's just like kind of tough to like. It's just lucky if you you gotta be good and lucky at the same time. So I mean, yeah. How how do you feel about those shits? Yeah, look, it, those are always tough, right? Because all season you're just dominating. We we were always dominating everybody, and my freshman year. Um, we struggled with a lot of injuries. We lost Tommy in the preseason. Brian hurt his thumb. Dallas was kind of in and out of it. Um, everybody else was young. We're playing with guys that really weren't ready. So um, we were kind of one of those middle tier teams. But then towards the end of the season, Chris Martin had come back from being hurt all year. And him and Dallas kind of had this like phenomenal tournament. And it kind of pushed us into like kind of contention. We yeah. uh, That year, Vermont was like dominant and I mean, we crushed them. We beat them by like 20, I think. And wow. then we get to the finals and we're up 20 at halftime or 17, whatever it was. Because Boston, yeah, right. Yeah. And then we just implode. And so it's kind of like anybody has a chance, which is that's all good and well, but it's difficult when 16 games out of the year, you dominate everybody. And 
you come up short, but yeah. I guess that's why like every game matters. So it taught me a lot about that and into my pro career as well. Um, just, I guess, understanding the importance of those playoff games and, and things like that. And even, even as a pro, man, like some people take like games off, but like, and like a mid major, like, I don't know, it's like a low major conference. You can't take a, you can't take a, a game off anyway. Cause if you lose, uh, there'll be times where you got to play the one, two, three, four, probably like always like, it was always like tears. If yep. you lose to like a, a the, like the bottom tier, now you're just like, oh shit! Like now we got Ver, we got Vermont at uh, Patrick Jim. Uh, Patrick Jim. It's like, yeah. oh god, you, you, it's a must win now. So it's like, yeah. I mean, it's also sets you up for like real life, man. It's like, no, nah, that's you know, true. That's fair. Yeah, and yeah, I always yeah. found it interesting, like playing as as a professional. You kind of get across to to other imports, so other Americans and. I don't know, man. The culture at Stony Brook is a lot different to a lot of other places. Like some of these guys get over and they just don't care when they lose and yeah. just trying to collect that paycheck, things like that. But I, I feel like the coaches at Stony Brook and well, now Rutgers and Fairfield did a really good job of instilling like the importance of every possession in every game. And and like you said, it is a bit of a life lesson when you kind of you know break it down a little bit more. Yeah, I think it also. We locate like we respected uh, the coaches and stuff, but we kind of feared them too. Like oh, we, we lose, oh my! You you already know Pikes and Jay and Dan and Lamar Chapman gonna just they're just gonna oh my god that week is gonna be long. Oh, especially during winter break. Oh but my! For me, for me it was Coach Young's eyes. Like when oh, you messed yes, up, you yes. knew you couldn't make eye contact. Yes. Oh my god! I remember um, we, we was. Uh, this is, uh, I think, I think it was a year after you. So we're playing. We lose a couple games in a row, and it's winter break coming up, and we're just we're just dreading it. We're like, oh, this is gonna be. We, we come in at sun up, like it was like eight thirty nine. We only like seven thirty p.m. and we're just like, oh my god, what what just happened? And it's just like, and it's like, as, as like a professional, people just like, hey, I'm just here for my money and just like kind of give back to my family, like. It's a business. Well, yeah, oh my God! And, and at college, like mid major, that you is had no choice. You, you had, had no you were strapped choice. in for the ride, and that was it. Oh my God! You, you got to strap in, and if you lose, you got to toughen up for those those couple of days. There's a lot of Michigan State rebounding. <laughs> the the uh, charge dive layup drill, man! Oh I hated it. That's the one God. I hated. I, 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 I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know how to take the charge properly, so I, I was like, trying to. I'll just like fall forward and like, like what the fuck is going on? So our, I, I would, I, I tell people all the time, like the 2016 team that went to the tournament were were really good, like obviously. But I, I always say the 2012, 2013 team, the best team like Stony Brook had, it was you, me, Tommy Brand, Dave Coley, Ant Jackson, Lenny, Rouse, Trey, uh, Mayo. We had, we had a, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of. Really good players. Yep, absolutely. And, and it just showed you, like, mid-major, too. Like, it just... <laughs> no, we had guys, man. It's just one game. Like, the Albany playing at Albany in the semifinals. It was kind of shaky, but you, you understand it because they, yeah. they, they yeah. have the big arena and stuff. Yeah. No, I but, looked at... That, that team was special because, like, defensively, we were so good. Because uh, yeah. every guy, no, nobody was really a liability that year. And um, even like if you look at the 
the red shirts that year. You know, you had, I believe it was Roland, Ahmad. No, no, the, a Roland came the year after. So we had Ahmad, okay. we had Ahmad, Ryan Burnett, and Cam came in. Cam, right, right. Like all those guys, like Cam became a really good defender late in his career. Yeah. And, well, from the start, but he really shined later. And, you know, Ahmad was always high energy and super talented. And, you know, Ryan was a worker and, and fearless. So, you know, you look from top to bottom, and that team was just, yeah, that team was special for sure. Uh, my, my, the best story is um, where I guess uh, Coach Young thought I was, I was a defender at first. And um, so we played Maryland against Alex Lynn. And Alex Lynn gave me 10 straight points. So we, I think he started off 10 2. And then. <laughs> I think then Coach Young was like, ah, you know, Eric, Eric is Eric is the lockdown defender. Jamil, you guard the second best player, the second best pros player. And like when you get to the conference play, they have like the one good player, and then they want us like a six three four man. So I'm just like, oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, my absolute favorite story was uh, this might have been my senior year though. Might have been we were playing Maine at home. You know what I'm talking about. Playing Maine at home, I can't remember the guy's name, but I remember like Coach Young was like, "This guy just can't score. Like we can't allow him to score any baskets." Uh, Ali Frazier, Ali Frazier. No, 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 no. It was somebody else. It was like it was like a guy that wasn't starting. I forget the guy's name, but he like came off the bench. He was averaging like like four points on the year, and you know they're always like, "Where can we save points at?" First play, and all week you're like, "No, nah, I got this. I got it." First play of this game, this dude threw up some crazy jump hook. And, like, it banked in. Like, there's nothing you could have done about it. But I was like, I remember I looked over the bench. Coach Young hit it. I was like, oh, shit. We're in for it now. Wait. I, I, need, you, I need you to tell the people the story of we played Albany my freshman year. So, your junior year. And you was like. <laughs> At the tournament? <laughs> yes. He was like, oh, yo, we need, a, we need a big game out of you. Right. So, all right. Let, let's, let's talk about it. So, you had just won rookie of the year. You were like. Second team all conference, you know every every ta- table was kind of like snicking about like oh what did, what did this guy not get? I think you're all defensive team that year as well. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so you had like all these awards as a freshman, man. That's unheard of. So, you know, we we played uh, we played. I, I want to say it was like Maine or Hartford or something we, before that. We, put, we played Binghamton in our first game and we just we we destroyed them. We destroyed yeah. them. We and just, we get, yeah, we crushed. We, them. Then we get Albany, and we we beat Albany by twenty uh, at Albany uh, in the conference. Then we beat yeah. them by like I think like ten senior night. So like yeah. I never I didn't know about like the Albany like I didn't know about the Will, Will Brown special until yeah no nah, come come tournament time they're a different beast yeah. and like so yeah so we're in the tunnel and you know how it is the uh, the game before us is finishing up and everybody's kind of doing their own thing to get ready and yeah i walk by you you know because you're the freshman and even though you're like decorated and stuff you know just try to give you those words of like you know so i just kind of give you like come on we need a big game out of you and you looked me dead in my eyes <laughs> with like so much like confidence and you said oh this is what you brought me here for <laughs> i said you brought me I didn't bring you anywhere, right? Like, right, let's get that straight, right? But you came out, and I actually don't think you were that bad, but you no, I, lost. I, 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 was, I was terrible. I think I scored, <laughs> I scored my last point with 12 minutes left in the first half. Yeah, and I was right. like, oh, so, this is bad. So you, 
after the game, you kind of looked at me and you're like, shit, man, I tried to tell you. Like, it's conference tournament, Will Brown, Peter Hooley, all those guys. Come on. John Puck. John Puck, Sam Rowley, man. Sam Rowley used to give me Sam a Rowley. Oh, he's a legend. Oh, my God. So, with, so I think although we had a, a great friendship in our, our two years, like, at Stony Brook, the one thing that ruined my fucking life was when we became roommates. Oh yeah, I screwed I screwed you up. That, oh that my, my god. We went to Wendy's every night. <laughs> yeah, Van Dyke. Van Dyke was always like, man, Jamil is trying to figure out your weight and stuff. Like, oh, he eats what I eat. I'm not getting any weight. <laughs> yo, every time he's like coming back from a grad school, but yo, you know you ready to get something to eat? It's like 9 30 at night. I'm just like, <laughs> Let's go. Let's I get go. in before it closed. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to Red Mango after two. Man. It, was, it was on a meal plan too. I was like, oh, this is free food, free, free Wendy's. Wendy's. You can't 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 beat that at all. You cannot beat that. Nah, nah, nah. Now nah, we had a good, had a good. Yeah, I think it was the Red Mango that set you all over. I don't, I don't think it was Wendy's. No, nah, no, nah, definitely Red Mango. <laughs> I should, I should have had those sweets at that time. I'm just thinking. That, that room was insane. It was you, me, Scott. Ma- was Mayo in that room? Yeah, Mayo was in the back. Ben Trey, I think. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. What a what a what a <laughs> I shouldn't have been other, but the other room was awful too. It was like Dave Dave Cooley. Nah, the other room was worse, man. The other it room was way awful. worse. It was because most of us didn't really do like do much. Like most of us weren't really like, you know. That- that's my, stuff. My, our like my sophomore year, senior year. Oh my god, that was that, that was a whirlwind. That was a whirlwind of a season. Nah, that, yeah, yeah. You, you you had a you were dealing with it. That's for sure. Oh my god, we, we was, and we were like five points away from going to the tournament, and that that was that team that team hated each other from the top to bottom. Oh my god. Oh my senior year, your sophomore. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that that was like like my, like my freshman year, your junior year was like the opposite of like we was like yo man like yeah uh, we almost had it. And then sophomore year, oh my god, it's like it started off well, and then like yeah. kind of kind of see the cracks every every time. It was like yo, there's just so many things that happened that year. There was just like you know guys had issues off the floor, and yeah. um, there was a lot of bickering in between like players and. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting dynamic because that was the only year in my five years at Sony Brook, like anybody really, I guess, dealt with that. But I guess it, a lot of the issues came from the, the top in terms of the players and the older players kind of. I, uh, I, I, I do yeah. think it was like, obviously, you and me had a great relationship. It was like, I think it was like the groups were kind of like, it was like clicks in, in a group. So, yeah. And. Probably some of the older guys were like jealous of the young guy, and the young guys were jealous of the older guy. It's like, you know, as a young guy, you gotta build your respect and like, yeah, yep. like. But me and Trey, I, I, I guess that made us made us so good was that we were aggressive from like from day one. Yep. Like obviously, like I, I didn't really have anyone to battle with. Like I guess Mayo, but like Trey had to like try to fit in with Dave and uh, and Jackson. Yeah, and and. To be honest, he was he was at that level at, at such a young age. So like, it it was tough. It was tough for everyone to kind of just buy into their role because like, we we didn't know what our role was, and some some people wanted better roles than other people. 
Yeah, I, I think like a, a big thing there was like AJ was talented, man. Yeah, he had he had like a thirty something point game, I think, in Detroit. And yeah, that yeah. Year. Like he was AJ was talented. There's no he, doubt about he, it. He, he was shooting. He was shooting the ball at an amazing clip. Yeah, and the, the issue was that AJ had sat behind Brian his first two years, yes. and. Up until that point, that was kind of how things worked. Like, yeah. you, you learn for two years, you play your two years. And um, I think the difficulty was, like you said, you came in and you were the immediate successor to Dallas. So there was kind of that open room and um, where Mayo, I guess he, he did his two years, but, you know, you came in, you broke just about every school record. It's just the caliber of player you are. And it was kind of the same with Trey. Trey came in. He ended up being the school's second leading scorer of all yeah. time. I, 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 really, I really don't think, uh, like, I, I didn't, I, like, I knew he was, like, first team All-State in New Jersey, but I didn't know he was going to be really good that fast. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, well, like, as a, as a big coming in, like, you're already physically, like, gifted. I mean, I, I, I was I was just, like, walk, a walking blob, but, like. Nah, you, nah, nah, you don't die in place. But, but, it, like, Trey's five ten on a good day, yeah. fastest shit. But he's like one sixty, so you have to you learn. Know he's like, gonna the message you about that, right? <laughs> if you listen to this, that's, that's another view on my thing. <laughs> nah, so he was he was like five ten, six feet on a good day, like one sixty. So like as a guard, you gotta like kind of build into that. But he came in with so much the utmost confidence, and like yeah, like think- and he, he played well too. Like obviously, it was sometimes where. He wasn't ready, like yeah. in the beginning of the year, but he he grew over the years. And I remember the game against Albany, our freshman year. He was he he, he had us come back. He brought us back from yeah. like a, a big lead. So it was like, yo, yeah, he, he's ready Absolutely. for this moment. Absolutely, I think Trey had his ups and downs. They were more noticeable than yours early on. Like you said, you yeah. kind of had that that physical advantage over Trey, and and there were some things that he had to adjust to early on because early on he wasn't. I'm talking very early on. He wasn't yeah. as dominant or however you want to put it. But he, yeah, like you said, he had some flashes of that freshman year. And then sophomore year is that Indiana game. Like, oh, yeah. Um, those guys just couldn't contain him. And I think that's what just completely, it gave him the confidence and just set him off to the career he had. Yeah. That was tough. And that was a tough year because I remember Vermont was dominant from day one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they were dominant because they, they had, like, the team we had my freshman year, your junior year. They just yeah. – the next year rolled over. They had everybody come back. They had yeah. – who should have won play of the year? Uh, Vocal. He, he should have he won that year, but, you know, politics. <laughs> nah, but they they, just, they they had really good players. And yeah. you, remember, you remember that you remember that ass we got at, uh, at Vermont? I think it was their senior night. Oh, mm. my. That was, that was a quiet plane That's ride bad. home. Oh, that was a quiet plane ride home. Yeah, we, we, yeah, there was. That's one of those games you just don't even want to think about. I, I hadn't thought about that game until you just brought it up. I, 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 I didn't think about that until I said Vermont. I was like, oh, that was, that was a beat down year. Yeah. So, and then they, they obviously they had the same fate for us. They, they played Albany in the semifinals, and you know, Albany at Albany is kind of tough to yeah. beat. And yeah, then, definitely. And then. My favorite, my favorite game of yours, <laughs> Albany in the finals. Oh. Sam Rowley went thirty for thirty for a hundred percent. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you through this game, right? And I'm gonna be very vulnerable here. All right. 
I was always good with everybody in the league. I, there was, I never really struggled with many people in the league. Sam Rowley would consistently, like, in my mind, like, he would catch the ball. I'm like, shit. I don't know what I'm going to do here, but, like, this hey, is. He, 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 he catches the ball at the short corner every time, too. Yeah, like, you did, your, you did what you're supposed to, but you did exactly what he wanted you to do. <laughs> and then he would just. And, like, the dude couldn't jump. He was, like, 6'5". Like, man. So what happened was we went up to um, we went up to Albany. We played them at Albany. And I believe we played without Trey that game as well. Or it might have been – I think Trey was sick. I, AJ might have been um, suspended. I, I'm, I'm not sure what it was. I know we were missing somebody. Yeah. And we go up there and we, we don't win. And um, that night I had a really good – defensive game against I, I should say I had a better defensive game against Rally. I blocked him a couple times and things like that and um, coming into that championship game I think that was in their head a little bit because like the first like six minutes of the game they, they don't really go to him yeah. and then he catches one and he goes at me and he misses it and I was like oh good maybe he won't maybe they won't keep going back at him two possessions later man they went to him he spun baseline he scored it was over it was over Mike came in at halftime. He said, "All right, we're just going to throw a different body at, at rally." So Jamil, he threw me. I was like, "Oh my god!" In my head, I was like, "Oh yeah, nah, they hey, lost I, faith." I, I need, I need to, I need to find that. Hold on, I, I, I gotta find the stat of that because I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he, I'm pretty sure he missed two shots the whole game. Yeah, it was something like that. He went like it was like ten for twelve or something crazy, and and, and he uh, fouled out too. He fouled out with eight minutes left. Yeah, well, let, let's let's talk about why I fouled out. Yeah, coach, put me on him. All right, here yeah. we go. Sam Rowley, <laughs> nine for eleven ah, in twenty nine minutes. He had four he steals. Twenty nine points again? No, he, he played twenty nine minutes. He had oh. eighteen points. But it, uh, it was a it was a great eighteen. It was, yeah, it was a, impressive. It was an impressive eighteen. What a wow. That's, this, I'm just looking at the stat. Wow, that was that was a bad game. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. So you, um, you, you definitely saw uh, all me like 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 their their team that year, and we just had teams had players who just like eh, if we win, we win. If we lose, fuck it. Yeah, yeah, those guys were together. Yeah, that's for sure. They were Peter Holy had some of those those tough threes late, and. Um, yeah, nah. The problem oh, and, for him is and Puck, Puck was pretty good too. Even though we make fun of him, but he was really he was really good that game. Nah, yeah, Puck was good. He was he was big. He I wonder who was guarding Puck that game. Oh. Uh, if I was the guard of rally, I was guarding <laughs> Puck. A lot of short court and jump shots that I <laughs> I wasn't on my eye. <laughs> nah, the problem for me is out here in Australia, almost all the foremen are either like. 6'10 long like athletes or they're like Sam Rowley so yeah. I, I, I'd rather guard the 6'10 guy than the 6'5 just bowling ball because oh, at, at some point at some point in the game yeah at least they expect a 6'10 guy to score so you know it's it's not as bad but 6'5 guys giving it to you it hurts yeah so your first year after Stony Brook uh, what, what did you play at? So I went to Denmark. Um, I was playing for a uh, team out there, and 
that first pro year is, I think, the toughest, um, or that first year abroad, and I think you can kind of kind of relate to that. Um, I was playing in Denmark, um, had a Serbian coach, and for those Ooh. that don't know, Serbians are, they'll put you through it, man, like mentally, physically, spiritually, like, I don't even Everything, know. everything. They get into your soul. So, um, yeah, so that was a big eye-opener, because, you know, like, at Stony Brook, we didn't run a ton. We did a lot of bikes, and our condition was built into our, our lifts and things, but like he was old school. He was so he he had us work up to ten kilometers on a treadmill in the morning, and then you would go at night and you would go practice, and you get shots up after running, and then you would go practice, and then he knew how much each player was running in each set, so he had every position calculated about how far you should run. Wow! So he had us all ten k at night. Damn! Oh but my I, God. I'll say this: that dude was one of, if not the best mind of basketball I've ever been around. Like just elite. He's he's a Euroleague coach now. He's or head assistant or something. Um, and he is just, yeah, he knew it. But I guess I wasn't really ready for that kind of workload. And my body broke down. I I missed like half the year between. I had two bad ankle injuries. That, did my knee, had to get surgery on, on. so, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough year for that, for sure. No, it, it, it is crazy, because the first year after Stonebrook, you, you, you kind of, like, obviously, when we're, us being mid-major stuff, it's more like a family type of vibe in uh, Stonebrook, and then once you get to overseas, like, this is the first time we've seen anybody new. Yep. Like, you've been listening to Pike, Jay, uh, Coach Ricard, Coach Chapman for the last four to five years of your, your career, and now you got this new guy. And at first, you don't know, like, what he's, what he's about. And, like, it, it, it is tough because, yeah. obviously, Serbians do have the stigma of being the toughest, tougher coaches. And, um, I mean, a lot of people can contest to that. Yeah. And you <laughs> – just a lot of running, man. That, that's a lot of a lot of running. It, it's just a different type of practice. Like you gotta yeah. get used to that. And you being, what what was that? Six hour difference, time difference. Uh yeah, six hours in Denmark. Six hour time different. Uh, from people at the house. I remember we were still playing Xbox at the time, and we, you're just getting. <laughs> we're just like, yo, we gotta find time to play, and like, yeah, you, you got two a day, and like you think you have free time, like obviously because you're, you're not doing classes and um overseas but is that that just go to recovery yeah yeah that 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 that's an interesting point that that like schedule in oh as an overseas player man you you get your morning practice in and then you have all this time in in between the day but like you have like two real practices a day so it's not like oh like i have four or five hours here let me go you know, walk around the town or, or whatever the case may be. But you can barely walk. Yeah, it's no, I'm gonna sit in my bed for as long as I can. I'm gonna sleep as long as I can. I'm gonna go to practice at night and I'm gonna try to get my body ready the next day. And that a lot of times like I actually have a um good friend of mine. Um he's playing over in, in Germany this year. Um and he, he posted one of those like pie charts and it was Oh yeah I I, I see sliver. I see people have yeah. posted it all the all day. Yeah, and it was just kind of one of those things like, man, like people think that you're kind of living this life, but yeah. they're working you over there. And, you know, so, yeah, it's it's 
I, that was a big adjustment for me is learning to how to adapt and kind of keep out of my own head because all I wanted to do was come home, but yeah. trying to keep out of your own head and, and yeah, move forward with it. And I do think as you said like overseas life, a lot of people like, I don't know about you, but some of my friends or like some people like text me like, yo, you think you can put me on? Like, bro, first of all, like, this is this is a business, bro. I don't know, like, I don't know if you think, like, is, is the NBA is not, like, NBA is, like, like, the highest level. Like, there's people under it that, like, are really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. And people are just like, like, oh, yeah, now nah, I had 20 in um, a Jersey Shore Pro League game. I think I'm, I'm good. I'm ready for it. Like, bro. Like you don't you don't see the two the two day two days you don't see we got a lift in the morning you don't see that we got a we got like I know in Europe you guys had one game a week to two like Curry we have we have like three games and then you like some days like sometimes you don't see an off day until like the second week yeah like, you might have a back to back and people don't see that people just see like oh um. He's averaging twelve points. Like they don't see like the process and all that, all that shit. And it, it's tough for like people like understand uh, what we go through. No, hundred percent. And and the game's different. Like everybody compares it to the NBA, where you know, first of all, like you know, there's some people in some leagues. You know, like the Asian leagues do have the reputation of, of paying better, but as a whole, we're not making thirty million dollars like we're LeBron James over here. So that's first and foremost. Secondly. Um, the game is completely different. Um, I don't have much experience in, in the Asian leagues, obviously, but in the European leagues, it's kind of like imports are only scoring like in, in those top leagues, you know, 10 to 13 points. And because the game is a team game and the yeah. local players are obviously, you know, some of them have NBA experience, things like that. But, you know, people are like, oh, you only scoring 13 a game, but you don't understand how hard I got to work for those 13 points a game, you know, so um yeah it's just on and off court it's just culture shock it, it's funny because i remember this was way before i started playing overseas um i was in, of a team usa and i remember van gundy said this he was like yo like you look at his stats right now like we used to have like scouts on like the other team it was like yo the guy's averaging 11 points but that's overseas 11 per- 11 points overseas is like 35, like, in Easy. America, like, it's, e- like, Easy. I feel like Luka Doncic said it, like, the American game is easier because, like, everyone's spaced out and stuff, and, yeah. no, you're, uh, like, overseas, I, I think Korea is, like, the same rules as uh, all other places in Europe, because we put about the FIBA rules, yeah. the the paint is packed, like, you have to find ways to get to the, get to the open spot, and let, if the other team have, like, a seven-footer, He's yeah. knocking the ball off the rim every time. Oh God, I hate that rule. And and they love a good old take. They'll they'll take they do a take foul so fast. Yeah. Um Absolutely. and like it's more strategic. Uh and being like being overseas. And it's tough, it's tough for people to understand that. And when some people who come from college or when they come from the NBA to overseas, like it's, it's an adjustment period for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And and coaches. And businesses, if you're losing a couple games on on your overseas team, you might not you might not see that ne- next paycheck. Nah, that's that's the big thing. I saw that that early on, man. That first year, we uh, we were underachieving a little bit, and I think they changed they changed out a bunch of guys by Christmas. Um, same thing my second year, 
team was kind of underachieving. Coach just like cleaned house. Then the coach got fired. That coach yeah. cleaned house. So yeah, it's it's a business, like you said before. It's definitely a business. Yeah, no, and it obviously it's a lot on your physical health, but it's definitely a lot on your mental health. And I mean, how how would you how would you mentally throughout your overseas career uh, in your first few years? I was terrible. I was I was a disaster, man. Um, I didn't because like I, I'm a thinker. Like I'm constantly overthinking everything, and um, you know, I for me, I guess there's a benefit because early in my Stony Brook career, I barely played and I wasn't ready, and that's fine. And I worked my way up, but knowing what it's like to kind of be in those positions, and then always knowing about the business of things. Um, like my first my first practice. I got off the plane and they took me straight. They didn't even take like they dropped my stuff at the apartment and, and I right got to practice. right to practice. So I'm like, you know, I'm all tired and jet lagged. And I get there. We didn't even use the balls. We just oh ran for two hours. Jesus. And like I was getting screamed at, cursed at after the the um, practice coach kind of pulls me aside and he's like, well, we thought you were a lot taller. I told you how tall I was. It's like, yeah, well, we're going to have to look for somebody who's, like, taller. Are you going to cut me? Because, like, he was like, oh, it's just the business. I was like, man, at least let me play basketball first. You know? yeah. So, like, I, I was, I guess that kind of scarred me a bit because I was kind of always worried about my job after that. And um, I know, like, yeah, just constantly worrying about what the club thinks, what the coaches think. Am I good enough? Am I producing enough? Is this going to be good enough to get a better contract next year? Um, you know, I, I think it just it takes a toll on you. And if you don't have a good support system around you or people that have been through something similar, then you can't really understand how to really survive and, and progress in it. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I struggled this. I struggled all through Europe, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's tough because I know Europe is really. They're open about what they or what they're thinking, and yeah. I think the same the same the same with Korea. Like when I first got here, um, mentally it took it took a toll on you because obviously you're away from your family, um, and you get there the language barrier is so like is wild to the point where if they're saying something to you, like they might not mean it in like a like a a mean fucked up way, but it comes off as rude <laughs> and like disrespectful. Like when I first got here, I think the first thing the coach said to me was like, "Are you pretty fat?" I was like, <laughs> "I was like, eh, I mean, thirty percent body fat, but I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, I've been I've, I've been this way for the last <laughs> six years. Like, I've been dominating, I've been scoring points like at this time, and it like every day they they still even probably say it now like, oh, you you put on weight. It's like." Bro, so you have to, like, mentally wire yourself to, like, just not care what other people yeah. think about you. And it's kind of, like, it's it's kind of up and down because, obviously, you want to gauge what they're thinking because you don't want one day you're out of a job. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. like, so just like, yo, but you also got to kind of control your, 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 mentally, your mental so you won't be mentally exhausted. And everyone, I tell people all the time, your mental, your mental strength is way more important than your physical strength. Like, Always. 
it, it, like confidence is a skill, and if you once you lose that confidence overseas, it oh, is done. tough. Yeah, no, tough. once you get shaken up, and you, if you can't recover from that, yeah, you're done. Because I feel like it's almost like sharks in the water. They start sensing that, and like they're kind of like, all right, we'll go find another. Because there there are a million Americans looking for a job, so yeah. you know, especially those bigger money clubs, man, they change guys in and out left and right because oh, they got the money yeah. Just, 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 just because you can't say hi to the president. Like I've seen people like get, I've seen people get released and they're having, they're having a, a great year and just like, they just want something different. Yeah. And yep. you have to like kind of separate like that being personal and like the business. Like, yeah. You just gotta go, to, you just gotta go to the next job. And that's, that's, that's also a skill. I've seen people who ruin their career or lose out on money because they're so they they take everything so personal in the in the basketball thing, and people just. Like oh you oh you don't want me all right well yep. fuck this team yeah. blah 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 and it's just like bro like it is what it is like you can't control you can't control stuff you like you can't control yeah it's uncontrollable absolutely. it's like it's, other people are, are controlling that stuff so it's just yep. like you have to just stay in that mode and stay in that mindset that whatever happens happens and you got to play hard no one no uh no wonder the situation yeah that's it. Nah, that's that's well put for sure. So I also want to talk about um, was it twenty sixteen when your when your mother passed? Yeah, yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, obviously that that's that's tough, man. Losing losing your mother, and I, I was there for some of the, some of that summer and stuff to see what was going on and stuff. I just want to know, like. What got you through that? And I mean, obviously, you're obviously you would never get through losing your someone you love and your mother. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, what you what do you think kind of helped you through that stuff? Like, kind of eased the pain. Yeah, look, like I had just come home from playing in Denmark, so it was 2015, and I just had surgery on my knee, so I was kind of I, I was relieved to be home. I got to go home about a month early, but you know. Now I got to figure out, well, what does this mean for my, my career and things like that? But on, on the flip side, you know, I got a little bit of money for the first time. I can kind of do some things for myself. Um, and I was I was only home like a week and I get a call from my mom and like I'm trying to trying to get through to her. And she's just kind of like I can't really understand what she's saying. And um, I was actually at Stony Brook at the time. I was I think I was visiting like you, Scott um oh yeah yeah yeah. and um we uh yeah so like i'm like trying to get through to her and she's not really making sense and then all of a sudden another voice comes on the phone it's a paramedic and she had a seizure out in a parking lot and so she was she was kind of unresponsive and things so they do a bunch of tests and then they found she had stage four lung and brain cancer so she passed about a year after that um i was actually here in australia at the time when it happened so i flew home um and that was tough. Like that was, that was really tough. I was really um, out of touch with my own emotions is a good way to yeah. put it. So for me, I was just kind of, I walled up and I, I didn't let people in. I didn't let things kind of get to me, but I, by doing that, you kind of hold on to everything that does bother you. Yeah. So um, that month that I was home, um, I, I turned to alcohol. Like I'll be honest about it. And um, I was drinking obscene amounts every night. And it was the only way I could sleep. Like I couldn't sleep otherwise. Um, I came, I, I took some like three months off after that. Um, 
before I headed off to play in Finland and um, Finland was a tough place to go because like the sun comes up like 1030 and sets at like two. And so it's just dark all the time. But I I had a good group of guys around me that kind of helped me through it. Um, But my depression was bad. So I was playing in in Luxembourg the year after that. And then um, my uh, I had a collapse in the middle of the game. Like my heart just gave out. Oh, yeah. So then team cut me. I went home. Um, I went back to New York. And uh, after about, say, two months or so, I decided I was going to commit suicide. And so um, I went to go go through with it. And like at the last second, I just kind of got this like thought that's like, it's like that inner voice in your head. And it was kind of like, don't do this. This isn't your time. And so I kind of sat there for a little bit and just kept like lingering around and I was like, all right, I won't do it. And the next day I actually got an offer to come out here and play. Um, and so when I got out here, I was, I was damaged, man. Like, I, I was in a bad, bad way. And so, um, yeah, like I, I met my now fiance and she 100% turned my life around. Um, just gave me like, I guess the support that I needed and I felt like I needed and did it in a way that was helpful. So, um, yeah, like, to be honest, sometimes I think I'm quite lucky to have gotten through that time because I almost didn't. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where you need to, like, communicate. You need to talk things out. And, you know, you've gone through it now yourself, unfortunately, and um, with both of your parents. And so, yeah, uh, yeah like, I, I can't really speak on the process of losing a father, but I know the mother is always really, really close to our hearts. And. Um, I, I got to know your mom and I knew the relationship you guys had and I know how difficult that is. So, um, yeah, it's about communication. It's about putting the right people around you in your life. And I think that goes generally speaking, if you have the right people in your life, you can get through anything. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, did you, um, were you, uh, big on the, the therapy aspect of like that stuff? I started talking to somebody for a little bit, um, but I just didn't really connect in with them. Um, I, I felt as though their their advice was too broad. It wasn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it was just kind of like cookie cutter. It, it didn't really get on with with my own stuff. Um, so yeah, so for me, it was just kind of it, it just didn't work well. Uh, it was too impersonal for me. So I decided to and that um, relatively quickly. And, you know, I I do advocate for at least giving it a try uh, because there are ways, you know, Australia has been really good since COVID started um, with the NDIS with their like disability support system. And so uh, they're, they're giving funding to people who aren't just clinical psychologists and it's kind of, it's called peer, peer based support. Um, so that it's kind of doing daily things. It's just a bit less, it feels less like you're talking to a doctor and more like you're talking to a friend. So. Yeah, no, <clears throat> that's what it is. I think because I mean, obviously going through the death of your, your parents, um, you have to talk to people. I mean, obviously a lot of people hold stuff in differently. Um, like you said, uh, when my mom passed, I, I lean forward straight to the alcohol and um, like you got to find comfort. You, you kind of get into that survival mode 
at yeah, that point. Yeah. You're just like, you're like, yo, um, whatever happens, fuck it. Like, I got, I got to battle one day at a time to get here. And you do have to find that those that support group, uh, that support system. Obviously, I was lucky enough to have my girlfriend, who's now my fiance at the time, also to kind of help me through that stuff. And people who just love you unconditionally. And I, I did try that, that therapy route too. But you, like as you said, they're, they're saying they're saying all the right things, but you're just like, yo, like you really can't understand. You can't, whatever you're saying right now is. It's not. It's not really. It's not really working at the time. But like, yeah. it's kind of just. You're just like you're. You're lost for words, kind of. And obviously, like you don't know what to do. Like I tried to commit suicide a few times um, with the death of my mom. And you know, last year was kind of a weird time for everybody. It was just. Yeah. It was just so you're just in the house with your thoughts the whole time. And like, obviously, when your mom can take it away from uh, from from the pandemic. Uh, you're just like, yo, what the fuck? And you still hear about that word every time. And then yeah. you got like the jackass talking about like, oh, it's not real. Uh, yeah, fuck a yeah. man. Like, bro, like, yo, it, 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 it affects a lot of people. Yeah. Like, and, but to say, like, you're different than where you were, like, that, like, a year after your, your parents passed. You see yourself smiling a little bit more. You see yourself understanding life. And, like, you understand when people say to you, like, yo, it get better. At that mm. time, you're just like, nah, nah fuck that. Yeah. Nah, fuck that. Nah, 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 nah. So, um, I mean, I'm proud of you as a friend to see, like, you grown over what is going to be, no, it's been five years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so to see you now and uh the place you are now not living in america because america is obviously <laughs> not good at all uh and finding love of your life uh, uh getting married when are you getting married this year right or uh, next year nah, we've we've had to keep pushing it back just because of covid because australia is really strict yeah. with who they let in at the moment so yeah so i, I just want to talk about i think now you started a new instagram group on facebook um, I'm not asking a new Instagram on Facebook, a new Instagram. Uh, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. So, um, I've actually started my own business around it. Um, it's the first phase of things. So, um, I've, I've done some study and, uh, you know, luckily for me, I, my bachelor, um, at Stony Brook was through sociology. So, uh, gives me enough credential to kind of approach this field and, at a very broad level. Um, I, I did do some study um, this year. I started in February and I got a, uh, a certification for mentorship. So I'm allowed to kind of counsel people and not clinically, but kind of work with them through their own mental health. Um, because, you know, for me, I started last October. Um, so about a year now, um, Carly was kind of like, you know, you should just start writing about your story. And I did it just, I don't even know why, to be honest, I just I kind of did it. And <laughs> The amount of people that reached out to me and said, like, you know, one that supported me, which was always good, but more importantly, it was the people that said they felt hurt and that's what they're going through. And it kind of gave them hope. And I was like, there's people I don't really know or don't talk to. And there were people that I did know and talk to. And, you know, that was just as eye opening. So it's kind of like, wow, there's, I kept talking about it and talking about it. And 
finally I was like, all right, I have to do more than just talk about it. I have to actually do something proactive about it. So yeah, yeah so I studied and um, now I have my own certified business with it. Um, so I can mentor people and, and work with people. So it's a bit of like a forced phase program. So for me right now, um, getting ready to roll out that second phase, which is alongside Carly, who um, is also pretty passionate about this stuff. And so we're going to be able to kind of help people in their own lives. And we're going to be able to take it, uh, I guess, not just the mind, but kind of like the body and, and making sure you're in alignment with everything that you do believe in. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing at the moment. So we started with group sessions. Um, we have individual sessions. Uh, I do a, a, some public speaking around it. It's, it's difficult. Australia, we go into these hard lockdowns for a couple of cases of COVID. So um, that's always on and off. But um, I've written a book that um, is going to get sent off to a publisher. So um, I got good feedback from that as well. So, yeah, so it's it's just about keeping it pretty fluid and kind of seeing the impact that I can make on the world. I, I love that, man. I'm kind of speechless at that. Um, to find something that you want to do uh, passionately uh, and just stick to it, obviously, it's a grind when you start something new. Um, and but you reaching out like people reaching out to you i feel like that's a great feeling to people to understand what you're going through and for people to feel like they're being heard from someone else's story and to kind of kind of be accepting to what is going on in their life and because yeah. you know a lot of people like are in denial about everything and just having something that you could feel about and like have someone you like understands you is just it's great for a lot of people so yeah uh, are, are you guys i think are you guys on a podcast right the yeah yeah so um we'll, we're we're gonna head back to camera which is um where our i guess our apartment is and our home so we're gonna head down there uh so we have i think it looks like we're gonna have to do two weeks of quarantine because it's interstate travel so mm -hmm. uh yeah so we'll, we'll be able to pump those out and kind of get that started and we have our list so we'll have to return the favor and try to get the famous <laughs> horny on the podcast and up our celebrity a little bit yeah no nah, i'll definitely gonna do it man whatever you guys need man i'm, I'm here awesome uh, I, just, I just want to thank you eric for uh just take, taking an hour out of your day i know it's, it's kind of a busy time still uh to talk to me uh i've been waiting for this kind of talk for the last few weeks now so i'm happy our schedule was kind of lined up to get this conversation going no uh, yeah same I, I really appreciate you having me on and i appreciate the viewers for listening to this uh amazing episode with eric and uh i hope you guys enjoy it thank you